Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome Welcome to Scam Scam Wow! Wow. I'm Caitlin Brodnick. And I'm Sue Smith. And we love scams. We love scams. Ugh, we We, love them. Guys, we love scams. We love you. We are still in quarantine. Who knows what news is happening? I feel like during quarantine, we can post things and then literally as we're speaking, breaking news is constantly happening. They're going to be like, oh, there's like a killer worm that's growing in Brazil, and now we have to freak out about that. I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised. My stepdad texted me today, and he's like, are you getting the dust cloud from the Sahara? Yeah. What are you talking about? He's like, there's a dust cloud coming from Africa. And I just wrote back, 2020 just continues to surprise us. (laughs) 2020, bro. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is crazy. I know. I saw on the Weather Channel. My mom loves the Weather Channel, and they're talking a lot about it. But apparently... It happens. It's very common. Uh-huh. But I think with everything happening right now, it's like, throw it in the bag. Just uh, toss yeah. it in. This is really a trash fire. What is this is right a trashy trash fire. Uh-huh. Oh, my oh, gosh. Guys. Oh, speaking of trash fires, guys, I just want to say, and I love our listeners. You know, we have a deep, deep love for you guys. Deep. Some people have said the meanest things in our reviews. <laughs> That's not where I thought that was going at all. I am so – I just have to be honest because I, we do this podcast for you guys. We, it is like we spend hours we editing do. and planning and doing all this stuff and we're, you know, we're not perfect. But so, the reviews have brought me to tears. <laughs> they have been – Or if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, we're just two sensitive girls stuck in I front know. of a mic doing the best we can. And these I'll be honest, I got a one star this week that said my opinions were infant- infantile. And I came out right after the cops episode. So I'm like, oh, this is someone who just loves cops. Sure, cop sure. Lover. Someone Fuck said I didn't do enough research. And that made me weep because I have a toddler and I'm really, really burning <sighs> it at both ends. I'm trying the best I can. So thank you for the criticism. But if you have something nice to say, you know, throw it in there. We'll we take love a good a nice review. review. We love a nice review. We'd love it. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but, you know, just so you know, we're listening and we're incredibly sensitive very okay sensitive we have told you we cry a lot constant okay. tears okay this is a tough year for you and for us uh, our producer kate is laughing so hard right now because she knows just how sensitive we are wait speaking of just, which i don't think my prozac is working 
Uh, Prozac is the best thing that ever happened to me. Guys, if you want to also, we talk all about our doses and medications on our Patreon episodes. We realize that like our Patreons is just to talk about meds and yeah. mental health. You know, it's a struggle. Patreon.com slash ScamWild podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Have we to bring a you guys down. Guest today, rate and review us. <laughs> We're so positive. Five oh times. We're just gonna uplift you. We have a great <laughs> guest today. He's gonna talk all about scams. He's a scam expert, and he yes! wrote a book on scammers. He so wrote a book. I cannot please, wait. Please welcome Dave. Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Dave. Scam Hello, well. Dave. Hi. Welcome. How's your emotional state? <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> How's that state? Terrible, yeah. Yeah, it could not be any worse. You're right at home. I had therapy today, so um, I should be okay for How'd this it show. Go? Okay, good, good. You have three kids, right? Yes, I have three kids. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yep. I'm amazed. I have one and it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well. actually impossible. Don't have three. Three is too many. You know, I, I tell people that all the time. They People always expect that I'm going to say, oh, you can handle it. It gets easier. But three is definitely one too many kids for me. <laughs> Should have stopped. Don't tell your child that, but I completely agree. I completely agree. <laughs> I can imagine having three. In um, this day and age, maybe in like the 60s and 70s, you could have like 17 kids. But now it's just too much. Expensive. Yeah. Well, I told my mom... I told my mom how much my rent was, and she was like, oh, my God, that's so much money. I paid $350 a month for our mortgage your whole life. I was like, oh, my God. My whole life. <laughs> it's true. Like, the, the apartments are all priced as if every room is a rent payer. So Right, or unless they get a job, those kids. Such a nice – yeah, get those kids jobs. <laughs> Figure that we out. We need some earners in this household. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there were always those people – the Brooklyn playgrounds are filled with those people that – walk around handing out flyers recruiting people to come to auditions for to bring their kids to auditions really yeah that's really? probably a scam for another episode though i don't know if you guys have encountered i that. have not been asked the like scam no, the like I'm scam offended. child auditions no no but i would love to be asked my sister fell for the scam really yeah she like took her kid to like a hotel ballroom for an audition it it was just a a scam to get people to buy headshots and Oh, like Glamazon, yeah. like in the back of magazines. Um, Barbazon. I did that when I was a kid and I was obsessed. And they told me that like um, you had to pass like a modeling test before <laughs> you could so pay to get headshots. And I was like, I want to do it, mom. And she was like, you're not tall enough. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so she wouldn't let me get headshots. That's a whole nother episode. And that's why we take Prozac. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we take the Prozac. Dave, you wrote a new book. You have a new book coming out. Tell us about Congrats. it. Congrats. It's my first book. So it's new and it's also my debut. Great. It's, um, it's, awesome. it's called The Vapors. And I know that you introduced it as being a book all about scammers, which I guess is true, but it's about my family. Um, and uh, <laughs> ah, no offense, it's, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. They are. I mean, my my grandparents were carnies, which we'll talk about. But it's a it's a story of the town that I grew up in, um, Hot Springs, Arkansas, which was once upon a time a bit of an epicenter of the kind of con artist world, and was oh a gosh, sort I of love. a wide open gambling kind of um, like American Baden Baden, like a resort spa town that had illegal gambling 
and prostitution like well up until like the late 1960s. So it was kind of the last Wait, great American gambling this. town. And for a period of time, it rivaled Las Vegas to become like the 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 um, the receiver of all of the mobs gambling money from Cuba. And, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it was like the the biggest illegal gambling operation in America. And so that's where I grew in up. In Arkansas? In Arkansas. In Hot Springs, Arkansas. So it's this kind of bit of forgotten history. But it's also, I tell the, I wrote the book, I tell the story through with three characters. My grandmother, who um, moved there as a teenager, and uh, her life, the life of, a, of another local guy who is the son of a bootlegger who kind of grows into the boss of the town. And the story of Oni Madden, who was the guy who started the Cotton Club in New York City. He was sort of this very big and important um, New York crime figure who, after he gets out of prison, comes to Hot Springs and kind of runs the town for the mob in Hot Springs. So I tell those three stories and I kind of weave them together. And uh, and this is all true. It's all true. Yeah, it's all true. I spent five years oh. researching it, one of which I moved my family to Arkansas and we lived there for a year. Oh my gosh. Um, from 2016 to 2017. We were there during the election, which was kind of a weird experience. <gasps> This is catnip for our listeners. We love this shit. I am so excited. So wait, say that it again, and when is it available? It's called The Vapors, and it comes out July okay. 7th. Can they get it on Amazon, wherever books are sold? You can get Barnes it anywhere. Noble. Yeah. Yeah, you can get it anywhere you so buy excited. books. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited for you. That's great, and we wish you the best and such a great launch, and I am going to pre-order it right now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I can't wait Thank to read you. it. It sounds... Yeah. A bit like, um, uh, what's that one about H.H. Holmes? It kind of gives me that vibe. Are you talking about Devil in the White City? Yes, Devil in the White City. Yeah, I I thought of that book when I first proposed this book. I think I even used it as like a comp title. The New York Times compared my book to Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which <gasps> I thought was kind of cool. But The New York but, Times? Oh, no big deal. But I honestly think, I honestly think that, that it's... It's more like Boardwalk Empire. And maybe I think that just because I'm rewatching okay. that show right now. But yeah. I'm honestly jealous. I'm so proud. <laughs> the New York Times is having their opinions. It's so exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. But Bo- we're proud of you. It's like this this my book begins right when like Boardwalk Empire ended. Like I think Boardwalk Empire ends like Ooh. in the in twenty nine or thirty or something like that. And my book begins in thirty one. Amazing. So your grandparents were carnies? Yeah, so I my <laughs> yeah, my what? My maternal grandmother, Carnies? she I mean my my pater- my dad's mom who is the char- main yes. character in the, my book. She um she had uh she had she had many men in her life. Um many of whom yes, show up girl, in the book. Yes, but um, <laughs> I love it. The man that she was with when I was born and when I was growing up was a uh he was a carny. And when they first got together in the 1970s, she went out on the road with him and lived on the road with him as a carny and and traveled with the carnival. And um, and so, yeah, I was kind of raised with these grandparents who worked at the horse races during the horse racing meet and then would then go travel with the carnival. And um, and yeah, they were hustlers. They were they were some of the last of the American flat store workers, you know, con, uh, carnival con artists. And, um, and so, oh you God, know, I, I got to learn quite a bit about the old school carnival, which, you know, was 
Hot Springs, even even in those late years when the carnival was kind of fading out as a um, as a roving casino, because that's what carnivals used to be. You know, they used to be essentially what okay. we call flat stores. Like they were, people would go there and gamble. You know, they were like these like kind of oh. low, low rent casinos. They went town to town, but even after they, you know, turned into the sort of more modern carnival, uh, there were still a few that were, you know, traveling around and running, running these so, flat store games. So you're talking more casino and less like fried dough. Yes. And Dumbo. And Dumbo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things were like, uh, concessions are a big part of the, a big part of the carnival, you know, how they make their money. But, um, but yeah, I mean the, the history of the carnival is that it was a, you know, it, a, I mean, it wasn't all, not all carnivals were flat stores, but the flat store was a big carnival part of the carnival world. And the flat store was a, a carnival where the games were all games you played for money. They were gambling games and mm-hmm. they were most wow. often, you know, I mean, they were crooked, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a swindle, and um, the uh, that's why I think it, it in time law enforcement were you know pressured to like shut those types of carnivals down and sort of morph a lot of those games that used to be crooked uh, gambling games morphed into the carnival games that we now play today, where we're just playing for what they call um, slum, which is you know just like Bon Jovi mirrors or. Or like, uh, you know, stuffed animals. <laughs> yeah. like the, I the, love the slum. The banana with dreadlocks, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Rasta banana, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> the little pumpkin or the happy little unicorn. The pepper. Right. Mm-hmm. But the ga- I didn't know that was called slum. <laughs> yeah, they call it slum. I mean, that's the cool thing is that like nothing really changed. Like the games today, I think it's annoying to me that like every once in a while you'll see these like um, – uh, local news reports where they go in and try to bust the, the the carnival comes to town and they go try to bust them by like proving that like the hoop on the basketball is like an oval and not a circle or like uh, you know what I mean mm-hmm. that the games are rigged but like the games yeah, aren't rigged right. anymore the what's rigged is that you're paying a dollar to win something that costs a dime you know I mean it's just capitalism yeah. I mean that's that's the scam now is that you're 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 paying too much for what you what you potentially could win ain't that the truth that is capitalism and yeah. we're so used <laughs> to it the real we don't scam. even realize it that's the real yes scam. um so like how were the games can you talk about some like specific games that were yeah. rigged or like yeah well so my grandfather's name was eric he was an, a razzle operator and so razzle was one of the it was <laughs> sort of the premier flat store game. Some people call it razzle dazzle. Some people would call it football, but the, the basic gist of the game is that, (laughs) I mean, there'd be a box. There's like a box with a bunch of little holes in the box and every hole has a number on it. One through, um, one through five and you throw balls in the box and they land into the different holes for each number. And you add up the total of the numbers and that gives you a total that gives you a, a a number for that roll, but then you match that number to a chart that's on the wall to see how many points you get, and you have to get a certain number of points to win. And so, in the traditional version of this game, you were playing for money. So you would put up a certain amount of money, and the operator would put up a certain amount of money. And if you could hit a certain point total, you were going to get all the operator's money. But if you but you'd have to keep rolling to get it. And so maybe a roll cost a dollar, and you're playing for a hundred bucks. 
um, and you just keep playing and you keep playing. Well, the game itself, I mean, in essence, it's it is it's not that the game is like completely rigged. It is possible to get the number the total number of points. It's just incredibly hard to do, right? So there's like there's mm-hmm. like I think on the chart there's 41 numbers. And 20 of those numbers win you some points and 21 win no points. But a good razzle op- so this game if you just played it straight up, you know if you just played it on the square, you're still the the razzle op- is still going to win because you're going to you're going to spend so much money. This is kind of like the slum thing. You're going to spend so much money trying to win his money that you're going to lose. Or, you know, later in later years, they started doing it for prizes. You'll still see these games every once in a while in the carnival, but you, they'll make you roll for like a like an Xbox or some shit. So like, you could win the Xbox, but you're going to end up spending five thousand dollars for it if you just played the game square. So what a good what my grandfather would do and what a good razzle operator would do is they will cheat mm-hmm. for you. Like they will accidentally give you extra points and Lose. pretend like they made yeah. you think they made a mistake in your favor but really they want to keep you in the game so they just keep accidentally giving the player more and more points to get them closer and closer and closer to the goal just to keep them roped in knowing that <gasps> every and they feel really good yeah, like they feel they're great they at feel this. like they're they're actually making it and they feel like this guy's a dope because he can't add or he's fucking up and he's giving me more points wow. so <gasps> that kind of hooks him in and that's the that's the like fundamental that's the underpinning of every great con is that a con artist plays on people's you know on people's uh not just their greed but their like um their uh willingness to cheat the ego no that because i mm-hmm. think if you think about like if you've ever seen any like movies like the sting or like the grifters or you've you know like all the great like uh old con games all revolved around the mark thinking that they were in on a fix, right? All the, all mm-hmm. the, like okay. one of the things that my grandfather used to do was this thing called the big mitt, which was just a rigged poker game. And they used to do these all over hot springs where they would, they would rope, they would rope guys into a poker game. They'd bring in a mark, some guy with a lot of money to play poker. And they would tell the guy, we're going to go to this poker game and we're going to cheat. We're going to cheat this game and we're going to take off a bunch of money. And so the guy's like, okay, I'm in, let's go do it. And when they get to the game, they actually cheat the mark. But he can't say anything because he was there to cheat them, right? So they've that's that's part of the key that's like a key element to every great con <laughs> wow, is that the wow. mark the mark has to be doing something wrong because that's what keeps them from going to the cops, but that's also what like kind of keeps them you know, it's like this it's something weird about human psychology that I think con artists understood, you know, as far back as like the nineteen teens, you know what I mean? Is that is Oh yeah. So that was that's part of that's part of the um the razzle game too is that the razzle operator is going to cheat on your behalf so that you'll stay in and think that you're the that you're the one getting over on him and that just makes you lose more money. Oh, that's amazing. And so at any point you Wait. walk away from the game and if you walk away you lose what's on the table. And there's also so there's also this concept of sunken cost where once you've lost a certain amount of money you're never going to stop because you feel like you've got to win it back. So this game is just a a disaster. It's 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 ruined many people's lives. <laughs> Wait, so with Razzle, how do you know so why are some numbers harder to roll than others? Because of the probability based on the numbers that are in the box. I mean the thing Okay. So and think you're about have dice? you ever played craps? Like yeah, in a casino? That's what I think. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I compare it to the um what's called the field craps. bed in craps. So in craps on the craps table there's this thing called the field bed, right? The field bet is a very attractive bet to a lot of people because 
if you roll a 2, 3, 4, 9, 10, 11, or 12, you win. But if you roll a 5, 6, 7, or 8, you lose. And if you roll the 2 or the 12, you even win like double. So most people look at that and they're like, shit, man, I, I've got seven numbers that win for me and four that lose. But the four that lose are the four most common numbers that you roll. And the ones that win are much less common. So when you add up all the probabilities of those numbers combined, oh. you're actually getting paid off at a, you know, the, the, what you should, your expected value is lower than what you win when you win the bet. So that's a kind of bet where like you can just make that bet and play it straight up on the square forever and the casino is going to make your money. It's just like that with Razzle. Like the probabilities work in the Razzle operator's favor so much so that the Razzle operator has to cheat to keep so that you don't just completely get you know, lose all your money. Wow. So like in craps, what are, give me a tip. What are the ones, <laughs> the numbers that you're going to roll more frequently? Help her win. Yeah. Come on. Well, the, the most common number is a seven, right? Which is why, which is why when you roll a seven, you lose. Um, Cause there's more combinations to roll a seven than any other number. And the, oh. so then five, nine, six, and eight, those are, those are the four most common after the seven. Okay. So those are what you wow. want. Wow. Point. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> I never knew this. Yeah, it's all math. Yes, this is that's so how, neat. So that's how the casinos, that's how they stay, stay so rich. It's just well, math. I like playing crabs because it feels like you're winning like every turn. That's, oh that's how God. they get me. <laughs> Not me. I, I, and it sounds like that's how... It sounds like that's how your grandfather got people too, is that it's that like endorphin yeah. rush of, wow, I'm so smart. I'm <laughs> well, so good at this. Yeah. Look how well I'm doing. This guy's an idiot. I'm pulling one over on him. And then they've lost like 50 to thousands of dollars. Yeah. So what my grandmother did was a key part of the scam. She was called a shill or, you know, a confederate. I mean, she pretended to pl be a player <laughs> and she would win. Oh. And so guys would you know oh. he would start the game with her and she would pretend to be a just a person at the carnival playing the game and she would win the money and the crowd would form watching my grandmother play the game and they'd see her win the money and then they'd all line up like they'd want to be next so that was part that was kind of her oh job gosh. and that got people excited too and another thing that my grandmother used to do is she would sometimes cheat for the player like whenever my grandfather would like turn you know, right she's pretending like she doesn't know him obviously she'd be in the crowd but he would like yeah. turn his back or whatever and she would like move a ball or cheat or whatever to sort of add in that extra element of like we're all getting over on this guy um so it would mm -hmm. just sort of further wow. hook them in wow i wonder that's if casinos amazing. do that oh well that's what you'll see in the book if you read it but that's what she did in hot springs for casinos as she worked as a shill player not not really to cheat cheat but um, to kind of keep games going so they wouldn't break up. I mean, she, her job for most of the time she lived there was to gamble in the casinos with the casino's money to pretend to be a player. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, she was a scammer. She was a, she was a big time con artist, but she, she loved it. She thought it was uh, exciting. You know, she liked the action. Yeah, she's actually my hero. <laughs> she's incredible. She is she's here. getting paid to scam. She's How an fun. icon. Yes, she is. Well, do we have a photo? Can we get some images on this name? lady? I Come love on, her. A little more. Can I yeah. make my hair cut like hers? How can I become her? <laughs> well, her name's Hazel Hill. There's pictures of her in the book, and she's sort of the main character of the book. But she, I think if you read the book, you may 
find that there's a more complicated picture of her. And I, I honestly thought when I wrote the book, I, when I set out to write it, I didn't know a whole lot about her. And I thought that I was going to write a book that was kind of celebrating her and her like crazy lifestyle. And I think by the end of my time researching the book and learning more about her life, I came away with a much more complex picture of, of her, um, that I paint in the book because part of what she traded in for this, like life on the road as like a, you know, a wily hustler was that she wasn't a very good mother <laughs> to my dad and his uh, brothers. Yeah. So, you know, but she suffered yeah. a lot of abuse and she put up with a lot of, I mean, she had a hard, hard life, but she also made some choices along the way. So she's, she's a complex and I right. think a tragic figure in, in a lot of ways, but, um, but she's sort of the main character in my book. And I think she was kind of a badass, and she, she was chasing, she was chasing the excitement. I mean, she came to hot springs because she wanted to be in the middle of the nightlife, you know, and be in the, be in the center of all the action. Wow. Do you think that she ever killed anybody? Well, my, my grandfather definitely (laughs) killed somebody. And so I, I used to write for this place called Grantland. And the first story I ever wrote for Grantland was, um, was a story about my grandparents and my grandfather, um, killing a guy. And so he killed a what? guy. Wait, can we link? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we're linking it below. Can you send us this link? Because <laughs> yeah, we got to link it below. Yeah, sure, sure. What? Listeners need to so read. He, he yeah. killed a guy. I want to say it was 1980, but I don't really remember. It was early 80s. <laughs> killed the guy. And That's weird. 1980s, not like 1880s. Yeah, <laughs> like, like he, he killed a guy, he went to jail, and then he called my dad. And so my dad goes <laughs> to the jail, and his name is Eric. And Eric says, I need you to go talk to... Uh, stable boy. So stable boy is this like kind of legendary tout at the racetrack. And a tout is someone at the track who uh, people pay them to tell them for tips on racehorses. And, uh, okay. But this guy in particular, he, he knew everything that went on at the racetrack. And he said, you got to go tell him what's going on and tell him to give you a horse. And so my dad went and found him at the track and he told him, you know, that Eric was in jail and he needed a horse. And so Stable Boy said, I'll, I don't have one for you now, but I'll call you when I have one. What he's essentially, what they're talking about is a fixed horse race. And so he needed to know when there was going to be a fixed mm. race that he could bet on so that he could raise the money to pay for a lawyer. And so this guy eventually oh. calls my dad. Oh. He tells him I've got the horse. So my dad had all of Eric's money. But then he went and he got all of his buddies and he pooled all their money together and got all the money he could get. You know, he, my dad couldn't rub two nickels together, but like him and all of his friends, they all pooled a bunch of money together. They all go out to the track and they bet on this horse and they win. They win a pile of money. He wins like <gasps> 50 G's and he takes it to the lawyer and gives it to the lawyer. And then the lawyer got Eric out of jail. The witness to the murder disappeared oh. and she just... She didn't just. <gasps> she didn't what? die. I think they got her out of town. She got whacked. She didn't. She lived. They found, but they they couldn't locate her for trial. She was oh. supposed to testify against him, and then she couldn't be located. She didn't show up to testify. They dropped the charges, and he got out of jail. <gasps> wow. Oh wait. my God. Wait. Can you tell us about this murder? <laughs> Why did he kill him? Why did he kill him? What happened? He was, an, he was another was carny. Horse? I'm pretty sure it was another carny. I think they were they were all at Eric's trailer drinking and. Just one of those nights that got a little out of hand. And evidently, the story is that the guy was beating on his wife. Wait. <laughs> and the guy was beating on his wife and oh. Eric tried to stop him. And and they were drunk. And the guy said, you know, if you do that again, I'll 
I'll, I'll shoot you. And so Eric went back into his room and came back out with a pistol and he shot him for, he shot him first and shot him dead. I mean, it was cold blooded murder. There was no defense, but <laughs> wow. he got away. And it was the this woman, the, first... the, the witness that was going to testify against him was the woman that the guy, the wife, the guy that he was beat, the guy's wife that he was beating up was the woman who was going to testify against Eric. And then she skied out. No, he did her. He did her a favor. Yeah, yeah well, he did. He protected the victim. Yeah, I mean, but I'm sure. I don't she... think we've ever had anything this <laughs> happen in our podcast before. We don't think we've ever had a guest whose grandfather's murdered uh, wife and Peter before. This is shocking. Your grandfather so must have been pretty old, like in his sixties or something. If this was just in the eighties, right? Yeah, he was old. He was. He was. Yeah, he was pretty old. I mean, he was probably in his sixties oh when he God. did this. But I love it. Not too old to wield a gun. That's so badass. He was. I mean, there he there's. I heard there was a story about him and my grandmother stealing cars. They stole a car in Iowa at the carnival, and they drove it all the way back from Iowa to Arkansas, and they drove it around town for a while, showing it off. And then once they were done, once they <laughs> felt like they were done with it, they took it out to the lake and pushed it in the lake. <laughs> pushed it in the lake. Oh my god. <laughs> So it's still in there somewhere. As you do, as you do when you're done with it. Did they ever get in trouble or is this just like a tell they told you? No, Did they you? never got caught. These are just, when I was researching the book, I, I heard a lot of these stories from people who knew them, their contemporaries, other other carnival folks. I mean, carnies are all, you know, they're, they're a, the Simpsons episode about carnies is not really too far <laughs> off. Did your grandmother ever go to jail? <laughs> My grandmother did go to jail. There's a scene in the book where she goes to jail. Yeah, oh my um, not for anything cool, just for driving drunk and like destroying a bunch of cars. But the huge. So, is your dad a criminal? Like, is your whole family criminals? <laughs> <laughs> my dad wasn't a criminal. You know, he was a he was a gambler, and he wasn't a very good one. Um, I mean, he may have been a petty criminal at one point in his life, but. He was never a criminal on the level of my grandmother or Eric at all. Um, now, are you a criminal? <laughs> have I ever murdered anybody? Yeah. This I've never murdered anybody, no. Aside from Razzle, are there any other games that your grandfather specialized in or your grandmother? I, You know, Razzle's the only one that I like yeah. learned all about that he did, you know. Um, but he was a fairly adept, you know, I mean, he knew cards. He knew horses. I mean, he... You know, he was an all-around hustler and um, and kind of had his hands in everything. Um, but Razzle was the thing that he was known for, and it was the thing that I was kind of the most excited to learn about. And, you know, Razzle has an interesting history, too, because there was a period of time in the 40s and 50s where Razzle had gotten to be so big that a group of carnies went to Havana in um introduced it to the casinos down there and they basically asked the casinos if they could run these razzle games on the casino floor and they would so back in those days like the way casinos worked is that the different games were banked by individuals who paid for the privilege uh -huh. of running them on the floor so these razzle these american carnies were going down to havana and running razzle games on the casino floors and making a fortune and they were just bilking everybody and it got so bad that that um batista kicked all the carnies out of the country and told them not to come back. And you have just to contextualize that, like he was like 
in bed with the mob. You know what I mean? Like he was <laughs> with the American mob, but like the carnies were too much for him. You know, like he didn't mind having the 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 American mafia there, but the carnies were like uh, were a breed of criminal that was just a little too much for his taste. So wow, he threw them all out. That's so cool. Yeah, Razzle, Razzle was a really it, it had its moment, much like Hot Springs. Razzle had its moment in American and culture. It razzled and out. Yeah, it's gone now. It's gone. You might yeah. see it if you like to. If you frequent carnivals, you may run across it. You know, especially in the South, at like a carnival here and there. But it's if you see see it, it's like seeing a unicorn, man. It's a it's a rare thing How these did- days. we think it's so fascinating i love this stuff and i love my favorite thing about family stories with all of this too (laughs) is that you know your grandmother and your father and you've like had dinners with them and then it turns out you know they (laughs) might have murdered somebody it's just like it's so fascinating because these stories are so personal and yeah they're so complex and interesting everyone is so complex each of each one of our con artists are yeah how did you get them to talk about it i find that like old people are unwilling to talk about their dark pasts well most of these people were dead most most of the interviews i did for my book were of the children of some of the main people that i wrote about and uh a few a few like contemporaries who were older but you know my grandmother was dead by the time i set out to write this book um, a lot of the main characters of the book were dead, but, uh, but one of the things I ran across a lot that I think really struck me was how many of these folks that I interviewed who were the like adult children of these, you know, larger than life people was how much, pe- how often I heard people say, you know, I really wish that I had asked my parents more questions. I really wish I knew, like they didn't know a lot because they spent their whole life never really talking to their parents about their parents' lives. And, you know, and now they're old, you know what I mean? And so the people that I'm interviewing here, they're like in their late 60s, early 70s, and they're saying, God, I wish that I had asked, I wish I'd asked them that before they died. So, you know, it's just a little lesson to take away that like, we should all grill our parents for as much <laughs> as we can, especially now that we're adults, and they'll give us the sort of, you know, they'll give us the, 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 the real, the real deal, you know what I mean? Um, it seems like for these children of these specific parents that like it was a safety thing that the parents also didn't want to tell their kids everything. Like when you have a child running around, it's like you can't actually tell them everything. So maybe it developed that sort of like psychology in the family that you just don't ask, don't tell, don't talk about it, you know. Yeah, especially when you're talking about crime. I mean, these people were criminals and I think that they maybe were trying to shield their children from it. These are things that they maybe weren't particularly proud of. But, you know, then these children grew up to become adults and they wanted to know about these things because they weren't going to judge their parents for them and they would have preferred to have known than to have had these folks take these secrets to their grave with them. So, I mean, one of the things that I felt like I had to deal with over and over again, especially asking people about my own grandmother, was that I would say, oh, I'm writing this book about Hazel and people would want to immediately be like, oh, your grandmother was such an angel. She was such a wonderful person. And I'd say, look, I, I know she wasn't. You know, you don't have to bullshit me. Like, I want to know the real deal. Don't blow sunshine up my ass. So over and over again, I'd have to like, you know, pr- show people that like, I get it. I'm not going to like write, yeah. a, you know. So people were trying to protect her from me, you know, her grand, her grandson, adult grandson. Do you have any tips for our listeners? Like, 
Is there a carnival game that's always rigged that they need to be on the lookout for? Or what are some general scams that they can watch out for in a carnival or I guess or a casino setting or a horse race setting? <laughs> Just tell us Whatever you got. Well, I mean, look, the carnival yeah. is like, you know, if you're ever at a carnival and there's a game that, pe- that they're playing for money, you shouldn't play it. But you should definitely go watch because if that's hap- if you're seeing that, then like I said before, you're seeing like, you know, like uh, you're seeing an endangered species because there's so few a historic moment. You know, f- <laughs> yeah. So you should film that. I mean, you probably shouldn't film it because carnies would not probably take kindly in that. But that but that still does happen from time to time that you'll see these little, you know, flat store games pop up uh, sort of on the side or whatever at a carnival where they'll be playing for money. But yeah, like we go to the my family, we like we love to go to the Dutchess County Fair. It's a lot of fun. But uh, I've noticed in the last few years that there's this one game that's popped up that looks a lot like Razzle. It's not anything like Razzle, but it's it has a lot of similar feel where like all these people are sitting at their own little carol and they're all rolling balls into a box into these numbers, getting scores. And there's like a man who walks around with a microphone and like and is like kind of calling the action and all the players are like in a race, I think to hit a certain number and the booth has all these like fan, like really fancy prizes, you know, like, like, you know, TVs and video game consoles and shit. And so that is definitely a razzle like scam, right? That is definitely a, um, there's definitely, uh, a scam going on there where you can win. You probably will win. Someone's going to win the Xbox, but everybody in that room is going to contribute several thousand dollars to the carnival before one person gets out of there with an Xbox, you know? So, you know, I don't know. I mean, this is the same way casinos work. This is the way the stock market works. It's like, go ahead and play, you know? Um, just know that, like, what you're going to get may be worth less than what you put into it. And What about the one where you mm. throw the ping pong ball in all the little cups and you get a goldfish, but you really want... <laughs> and you get a goldfish. Is, is that, that rigged? rigged? No, it's not rigged. They, they, we've had we've gone through so many fair fish in our house. And the <laughs> la- I want to tell you, our last one that we had lasted for two years. We kept this guy alive for two years. His name was Bobby Fisher. And <laughs> I, my kids... My kids, you know, they're always excited to get the fish and then they then they could give a shit like two weeks into it. But this last one, I grew so attached to this fish. We don't have any other pets. I've refused a pet because I have three small children, so I don't yeah. understand why I would need to add an animal to this More. house. You have yeah. pets, yeah. But I, I, I got really attached to this fish and I would sit at the table next to the... I bought this like really nice aquarium. He's just a little fair goldfish. And I went and learned all about how to take care of these little fish and I bought all the chemicals and the food and... And, uh, and I, it was weird to get a test. It was like a weird Tony Soprano thing where like, I, I got, I felt like this fish was a comforting presence in my life. I work from home. I'm a writer, you know? So like having this fish here was such a good, anyway, long story short, the fucking fish died. He died like right before COVID, you know, like earlier this year. And it fucked me up when this fish died. I thought the kids were going to cry. The kids, the kids were like, Oh, the fish died. Okay. But I was so fucked up about it. And we, I, we had to have a fish funeral out in the yard and I like painted a, I painted a grave and I did all this under the guise (laughs) of it's for the kids or whatever, but it was for me, man. I was really sad. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working 
eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I I know Hot Springs was known for um, like being this like casino town and this place of R and R rests that felt weird coming out of my mouth <laughs> um but is there like one particular con that was like the highlight of hot springs or that everybody made mon- money on or um yeah was it just a bunch of cons well it was yeah i mean con the sort of idea of the big con like those kinds of con games like you would see in the movie the sting or the grifters that all kind of faded out of american culture you know it was pretty well gone by like the 1940s, you know? So this was kind of an early half of the century phenomenon, but in the twenties and thirties, there were a lot of what they call, um, uh, big stores in hot springs, which would be a, a, a fake casino or a fake, um, you know, handbook or bookmaker shop that, that was only set up for con artists around the country and literally like all over America to rope suckers down to hot springs to then take them in these fake, um, these like fake scam casinos. And <laughs> like so an hot Airbnb casino. <laughs> yeah, it was, they would call it, it was the big store. And so, you know, just like in the sting, you see in the movie, the sting that they, they, they create one of these in Chicago, they go rent this place out and they make it look like a little, you know, um, horse racing book. But, uh, but, in reality, these these places existed around the country permanently, and it was like the guys who ran wow. them. Wow! The con artists would come in with they would call, they would send them a wire saying, "I'm coming in with a mark. I'll be there on this day," and they would come in and run their con on this guy, and then they would pay a percentage to the guy who operated this shop. And that was just a business they ran in Hot Springs for decades. Was that up and down the street there'd be these like fake stockbrokers, fake real estate offices, fake casinos that just were fronts wow. for con yeah. artists to come in and scam people. Yeah. But by, it's a whole network. 
you know, they don't. You know, now what people do landlords. is they do these scams on. They do telemarketing scams. They do. You know, it's all the same shit. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the things that I feel completely like baffled by yeah. is that we culturally kind of like romanticize con artists when we think about movies like The Sting or whatever, where it's like. There was the, there are these like romantic characters that the the hustler you know what I mean the pool hustler or like the mm-hmm. the guy who would run the big con, but like those guys still exist today mm-hmm. and they're, we think they're scummy you know what I mean <laughs> like they're like they're like running telemarketing scams or they're like uh, you <laughs> yeah. know or they're like doing email spam or something and swindling but people that way. But they looked so way, cool so. back then. They had cool hats. Yeah. Now they have Lularoe leggings and they look like shit. <laughs> yeah, they just look cooler. <laughs> It's all about the style. Right. Yeah, or like essential oils. Yeah, yeah. maybe one day they'll, you know, a future generation is yeah. going to look back at like today's grip, today's like internet scammers with the same reverence that we look at like, you know, the con artists of the 20s maybe. It's hard to imagine, but they dress so well. I mean, inter- internet scammers I already look fondly on, but Multi-level marketing, I don't. I think they're trash humans. No, and those leggings that have a hot dog on the vagina and the patterns messed up are going to be quaint one day to our children. One day. One day. They're going to look back. It's going to be vintage. And they're going to pay a lot of money. trash fire Hot Springs really moved away from this by the time, in the Mm -hmm. time that my book is written about, Hot Springs made an effort to push a lot of those guys out and to really run casinos on the square because they, they wanted to get legitimate customers in and, you know what they call, you know these what they called bust out joints were so prevalent that it was hurting everybody's business because word would get out that if you go to Hot Springs you're going to get taken. But those guys still existed, and you'll see in the book that that you know hustlers were in well well demand by some of the casinos to like cheat the customers. Now, is there anything any is Hot Springs still known for its cons, or is there anything scammy about Hot Springs still today? Is it even hot yeah, I mean, it's still is that there a are hot springs. There's bathhouses. Yeah, it's a, a national spring? park. It's America's smallest national park. Um, I mean, Hot Springs is best known for being the you know <laughs> home of Bill Clinton, and yeah, uh, Bill Clinton's an interesting character. He's in my book, and like. He's, he was the same age as my dad. They, like, went to school together and, like... <gasps> what? I'm yeah, loving and, uh, this book. <laughs> Bill, was, <laughs> Bill was definitely, like, in the middle of, like... You know, he grew up around, surrounded by all of this shit. And one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is that uh, there was a... One of the sort of king of the carnies was this guy named Ed Gregory. He was, like, the biggest carny in America. He ran... Um, a company called United Shows of America, which was one of the largest carnival, um, traveling carnival companies in America. And this guy used to be a razzle operator. He worked his way up from being a razzle operator to being this like rich, you know, carnival kingpin. And he was friends with Bill. And like when Bill became president, you know, he ran carnivals at the White House on the White House lawn for like events and shit. (gasps) But Ed Gregory went to prison. He got arrested and went to prison for like, uh, <gasps> for financial crimes, and Clinton pardoned him. <laughs> he got a president. He got a presidential pardon from Bill. Clinton. <gasps> oh my God! So oh my Clinton God. is like that saxophone silly man. <laughs> just yeah, Clinton is like the he, he was like really in a lot of ways was kind of the patron saint of the hustlers. You know. <laughs> yeah. Do you think like it. that he was involved with Epstein? <laughs> Yeah, like he rode on the jet and stuff, but do you think he was like you know, doing pedophile I mean, shit? I don't know. 
I don't I don't know because you know him it's <laughs> like this is the thing about my brain at this point I'm all of our brains is that like there's there's nothing that would shock me anymore you know like at this point it's it's probably more yeah. unusual to yeah. to not believe all this shit than it is to just believe it yeah. yeah I mean I don't know it's I feel like I I I shouldn't engage in uh uh Bill Clinton slander but it's like yeah people if he was riding around on those fucking planes, it's probably more likely that he was involved in all this shit that all those guys were. I just yeah. watched the doc that that Netflix documentary the other day, and it's it was. I walked away from that thing feeling like Jesus Christ, like this thing is. Uh, who deep. wasn't? Who wasn't on that island? You know. It's deep. I tell you, I'll tell you what. Almost every night, I fall asleep reading the Epstein Reddit because <laughs> there's so many different conspiracy theories. That's true. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the thing that's like the thing that's like that that stuck with me the most about all this was like how he didn't the st- the thing that fucked me up the most watching that documentary about the whole Epstein story is that he didn't he like lied about even going to college or whatever like from day one yeah. that guy oh, yeah. yeah was he's a creep ass pedophile that, that to me that's where I really got in got like fell you know fell head first into the conspiracy theory stuff because it was like this guy was totally like some kind he was a manchurian candidate you know like they groomed this guy for this from day one i I don't know that that was really shocking to me when i realized that like that he couldn't even get fired from his that like um wall street job he had where they found Mm -hmm. out that he had lied and they they didn't fire that he couldn't even get fired from that nobody's that lucky man nobody's that lucky to go through their whole life walking between the raindrops that guy had it wired from day one Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what wild. A freaking Bill Clinton, creep. though, he's a charmer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. He's charming. That's part of being a car- carny man. That's part yeah. of it. He is the ultimate carny. Ugh. I, you know the whole the whole point of being the one of the key things to being a good carnival hustler is that you have to be like you have to convince people that you're both smart and stupid. You have to convince mm. people that you're just like <gasps> them, that you're on their side. <gasps> but you know, like it's it's he had it all. He was definitely. I'll tell he you was definitely a, a scammer. Yeah. He was maybe the first. No, he was another presidential scammer. Yeah. I always say Donald Trump's a scammer. Bill Clinton, too. Oh, my and I'm God. sure yeah. there's somebody that I don't know about that was also a scammer. You know, it's going to come through the woodwork. We'll find it. <laughs> I know, but Bill Clinton is just I have a crush on him. A little bit, <laughs> I think, if we're being honest. Yeah, OK, there's a lot it, more man. to this. He's charming. He's adorable. This is the thing about Clinton is that like he he was so good at like making people feel like, you know, that he cared about them and that he knew who you were and shit and that he, you know, that that he just had that. And part of that is being a politician in Arkansas because it's a small state and politics in Arkansas were very retail. You know, the way you get elected governor of Arkansas is you like talk to every single person in Arkansas. Yeah. You know, like that's. That's what it took. And so he got really good That's at that. It's a good that. training like, ground. He became a good bullshitter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow gross. This has been fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. This is amazing. We cannot recommend your book enough. Even though we haven't read it, we're going to. This is so exciting. We can't wait to read it. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate Tell us that. the name of it again. The Vapors. The Vapors. And the Vapors. July 7th? July 7th on FSG and wherever you buy books go get it you can pre-order it now and where can people find you i'm at davidhillonline.com 
Amazing. David, thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Thank you all. We appreciate We appreciate. I love your show. Oh. Thank you. Well, we love you. All the parts of me. You guys are great. If you um, have been a carny um, or know of any carnival scams, oh my God, what a fascinating topic. Feel free to email us at scamwowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call on our hot tip hotline because you know I love a phone call at 347-509-9414. And if you worked in a carnival at like your camp and you scam some kids, we want to know about it. A hundred percent. And- I have to say that for some reason, a carny right carnivals are, right now are making me think of like my weird. Um, there's this show where pe- this lady was in love with a Ferris wheel. <laughs> oh, my strange that, addiction. She was like, my, it was like my strange addiction or something like that. She thought she was like this Ferris wheel was like her spiritual thing. So if you know stuff like that, we want to know it. Just send it our way send because it. that's funny. Also, if there's a Reddit that Sue can read as she falls asleep, send it. Yes, we need this more. Epstein thing is getting dark. <laughs> so thank you so much. All right, you guys. We love you guys. Yes, we love you guys. We'll see you next okay. week. Okay, bye. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I study the secrets of the divine plagues and uncover the blasphemous truth that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, wherever podcasts are available.